I want to thank you for joining in this evening to our Bible study. And again, I want to encourage you to have your Bible open and join me in Ephesians chapter 2. We have been working through the theological understanding of salvation. It's a foundational principle. Deepening our comprehension of what Christ did for us and what salvation means to us. And we round a really practical corner this evening. We concluded with verse 9 where we were reminded that salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. We don't save ourselves. It is the grace of God. But no sooner does the apostle, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, say it is not of works, that he'll begin in verse 10 and encourage us concerning works in a new light. Notice verse 10 with me of chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Salvation is not of works, but now we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That phrase is of utmost importance. This is our purpose. Unto good works clarifies, in effect, what it is that we are doing here post-salvation. It's really practical stuff. Now, as I was studying for this, I recognized that all through Scripture, we are reminded that faith not only talks, but that faith walks. Clearly, faith walks the walk and talks the talk. Note what one commentator said. Dead faith replaces works with words. It's all tell and no show. Dead faith is all talk and no action. He went on, people with dead faith substitute words for deeds. They know the correct vocabulary. They can even quote a verse or two. They've come to the conclusion that they can live any way they like as long as they know the words, but they are wrong. Faith walks and talks. Another said this in the 1800s with a touch of sarcastic humor. The people who least live out their creeds are the same people who shout the loudest about them. For some reason, he wrote, the paralysis which affects their hands does not seem to interfere with their mouths. That's abrasive speech. And he's true. He's, he's honest. Another said this, this is the one thing that evidently James cannot stand within Scripture. A profession of faith without the practice of faith. This is the practical outflow of salvation. In fact, it's just been declared, this is what we have been newly created unto. The fact is, works follow justification as a consequence or evidence of it. We are saved, therefore we do works. In essence, our faith is evidenced by our works. That's why I say in summation, that's why we're here. 
unto good works. Maybe this helps just a little bit. Faith in Jesus Christ produces life, new life. New life in Jesus Christ produces good works. And good works for the glory of Jesus Christ prove the existence of our spiritual life and the trueness of our faith. Now, in verse 10, as I read just a moment ago, he said, We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to notice that in both verses 9 and 10, we see a repetition of the word works. The first mention is clearly in the negative. In no uncertain terms are we saved by works. Do not be confused. It's all God's grace. We have no reason to boast. We have nothing to glory in of our own works. We have no grounds for feeling a sense of accomplishment. Either we are saved utterly and completely by God's grace, or we are attempting to unsuccessfully save ourselves by our works. Salvation is not of works. And as soon as he rejects the role of works in salvation, he now brings it back to us and shifts from a negative tone to a positive tone. We are not saved by works, but we are definitely created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now notice something here. He is not merely saying we are commanded to do good works, but that in our new life, part of the new creation in Christ Jesus, it is declaring we're not commanded, but we are created unto good works. And that all-important phrase in that verse, in Christ Jesus. It is the work of Christ in us. It is the work of the Spirit in us. It is not of us, lest any man should boast. But it is Christ in us that produces these good works. Jesus Christ taught, of course, the truth about salvation. The reality is he taught salvation would only be by his work on the cross. In Mark 10, 45, even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's the finished work. But Jesus was not reticent to teach on the changed behavior that comes because of salvation. He would say in Luke 9, 23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. In Luke 6, 46, Jesus asks the question, Why call ye me Lord, Lord? And do not the things which I say, implying if I were truly your Lord, your works would back it up by doing the things which I have commanded you to do. Three verses later in Luke 6, He that heareth, Jesus said, and doeth not, is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great." On the foundation of the word, not just hearing, but doing what we hear. That's what faith produces. This is important. 
Now, it's clear to see that Ephesians 2.10, which is our study this evening, stands out in stark contrast to the rest of the paragraph, verses 1 through 9. And certainly from the beginning of the paragraph, back in verses 1, 2, and 3. Ephesians 2.10 says we're his workmanship. We are newly created in Jesus Christ. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, the good works. This is, this is the purpose, the practical fallout. Now, the paragraph began with our quote-unquote human, our carnal, our natural, our fleshly walk, our lifestyle. The fact is, we formerly walked, our manner of life was in trespasses and sins. We were underneath the domination of our father, the devil. And now, by verse 10, the contrast is, we're walking, our manner of life is good works. The contrast is somewhat complete. We've seen two different lifestyles, the evil and the good. We have noted two different masters, the devil and God now. What affected this change is salvation. And the key phrases as we've worked through is we see but God in verse 4 and by grace in verses 5 and 8. What affected the changes that brings about this contrast is wrapped up in but God by grace. Once evil, but God by grace, now good. Once under the dominion and part of the family of the devil, but God by grace, now adopted into the family of God, newly created in Christ Jesus, new way of life, new manner of life, a new walk. Let's just unpack this verse simply. We are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. That is what the Apostle Paul writes. What does that mean? We are his workmanship. That is an interesting word. That word is poema. We would derive our English word poem from that word which is translated workmanship. It means we are a made or a manufactured product. Let that sink in for just a second. What that means is our salvation is not the end but merely the beginning of what God wants to do in and through us. We are God's new creation, and God continues to work in us to make us what he wants to be for his purpose. And what is his purpose? To make us more like Jesus Christ. An old commentator said this of that word, his workmanship. He said it means we are his work of art. In effect, we're his masterpiece. We, as new creatures, are God's work of gracious art. That's a beautiful thing to understand. I don't think there's any more exalted description within Scripture of who or what we are as believers than that. You and I are works of God's art. We're his masterpieces. Now, it may not seem that way in our physical appearance, but our hearts tell a different story. We're new creatures in Christ. Too many Christians think that salvation is the only important experience and that nothing then follows behind it, but that's wrong. 
Now, I've already addressed this in illustrative fashion through this study. We can go right back to Jesus' interaction with Lazarus as he calls him forth from the grave, bringing him back to life. And what Jesus said in John 11 was, loose him from those grave clothes. Let him go. Change his clothes. In other words, this man is now alive. Get him out of the grave clothes and let him act, walk, seem, appear as one that is alive. That's a direct contrast. We are his workmanship. You, as a new creature, are his work of art, and it's all of grace. Then he says this, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. If I am his masterpiece, if I am his work of art, what is it that he is forming or fashioning me unto? I am created in Christ Jesus, that's that new life in Christ, unto for the purpose of good works. Now again, note the contrast. It's stark between verses 10 and verse 2. You'll see that the unbeliever has Satan, the prince of the power of the air, working in him. He is under his dominion. Therefore, the works of that individual, dead in trespasses and sins, are not good. But by verse 10, God is working in the believer. Therefore, his works have changed and are good. So, let's elaborate on this just a moment. The works are not good because that believer, that human, is in himself good, but because he has been gifted a new nature from God, and now the Holy Spirit is working in and through him to produce these good works. That's what we need to understand. Now, again, let me just emphasize, it's too bad that believers, it's too bad that Christians, it's too bad that we have moved on and we think or we minimize good works. We denigrate good works because we know that salvation is not of works. Sometimes we minimize them and that good works maybe are a bad thing or good works are just a carnal thing, but I, I believe that's wrong thinking. You can see it emphasized throughout the New Testament. In fact, we're told in Matthew that we should do good works so that when men see our good works, they will glorify our Father which is in heaven. The doing of good works produced by the Holy Spirit in us does not bring glory to us, but rather to our Father which is in heaven. It points people to salvation in Christ. We're told in the New Testament that we should abound unto every good work, that we should be fruitful in every good work, that we are equipped for every good work, that as believers, Titus said, we should be zealous of good works. This should be a part of our new existence in Christ. Now, we're not going to work through all of this as we have recently studied the fruit of the Spirit. This is not us manufacturing good works. It's the result of the work of God in our hearts. Literally, it's the fruit of the Spirit. He is the vine. Without him, I can do nothing. As a branch engrafted into the vine, his life flows through me, producing these good works works. I have been created newly 
in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. Then he elaborates, and he says that we are are doing these good works. And the phrase is really interesting, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Those are the good works. These are the good works that we are walking in, manner of life. It's an interesting thing. These are before ordained. That word that is used there is used only one other time in the New Testament. And that is in Romans 9, 23, where we read, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Before ordained carries the idea of preparation beforehand. Now, just let it marinate. Meditate on this verse. We are his workmanship. We are the work of his hand. We are a manufactured good, God the manufacturer creating new life in us. We are his masterpiece. It is enabled, we are created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works. And these good works were prepared beforehand by God that we should walk in them, that this should be our manner of life. And when you meditate on that, it's really an amazing statement. It means that God has a plan for your life and for my life, and that we should walk in his will and fulfill his plan. He has a plan for you. This is some exhilarating scripture. You are a work of art a work of gracious art. You are God's masterpiece. Your very purpose is to let the work, the new life of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit be seen in you. Be zealous for these good works. You're equipped for these good works. You should abound and be fruitful in these good works so that people will glorify your Father which is in heaven. And he has a plan specifically for you. No matter where you are, no matter what stage of life you're in, he has prepared beforehand his will for you. Let me quote what one is talking about. I think this is great. Paul is not talking about an impersonal fate that controls your life no matter what you do. He's talking about the gracious plan of a loving heavenly father who wills the very best for us. The will of God, he wrote, comes from the heart of God. We discover God's exciting will for our lives as the Spirit reveals it to us from the Word of God. Think about that. An amazing statement. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit that illuminates the living Word of God, declaring unto us the way that we should walk. And God has a plan specifically for your life, and the Holy Spirit and the Word will reveal it unto you so that you can walk that path that God has for you. Another wrote really practically about this. He said this. Think of it like this. Each of us has an eternally designed job description, which includes the task, the ability, and even the place to serve. He said, now, you may prefer Jerusalem, but you will glorify him more in Babylon if he has called you there. 
And whatever the task to which he has called you, you will be equipped for it as surely as a bird is capable of flight. And in doing the works he has called you to do, you will be both more and more his workmanship and more and more your true self. God has a plan for you and for me. It's not scattershot, it's specific. God wants you to grow. God wants you to serve. God has a purpose for you, and the Spirit and the Word reveal it to us. That means right where you are right now is sovereignly where God wants you to be. And as his work of art, as his masterpiece, you should be showing out his good works, not in order that you might attain salvation, but as evidence of your salvation. Back to the illustration of Lazarus. One asked it this way, are you wearing grave clothes or grace clothes? In essence, if you're saved, you should act saved. If you're a believer, people should know you're a believer. And that's more than words. And that's more than mere apparel. And that's more than memorization of Scripture. That's the work of God in us. We are His workmanship. We are not saved of works. In no uncertain terms, lest any man should boast. We have nothing to glory in but the cross of Jesus Christ. However, we are now in Christ created a work of art, his grace masterpiece, unto the purpose of good works, which were before ordained by God that we should walk in them. We have a new manner of life in stark contrast to death and trespasses and sins and by nature under wrath, under the dominion of the prince and the power of this air, the devil, controlled by the lusts and passions of our flesh. We have a new manner of life, a new walk. We're new creatures and we do good works. This is really great understanding for me. It's an amazing verse. I don't know that I've ever studied it like I have. And now to see it in this way, I am a unique and specific work of God's art. Because of Jesus Christ, I'm created in Christ Jesus. That's the crux. Unto good works. That's my purpose for being here. To show out the work of the Spirit, the work of Jesus Christ in me. And God has a plan prepared for me, his perfect will, his will for my life, laid out as the Holy Spirit directs and the word reveals. God has a plan for you. His plan? Good works in Jesus Christ. Be zealous of them. Be busy about it. You should be in your grace clothes, not your grave clothes. If you're saved, act like it. People should know it and see it. What a great help this singular verse is to us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for what this verse stands for, represents, and teaches us. Help us now beyond my words and beyond this study with the Holy Spirit. Help us to understand this as we meditate on it and have it impact our lives, practically speaking. Bless us in this week that we have ahead. May we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. 
We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing, and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.